Good morning, Salt City. My name is Colin. Uh, I work on staff here at Salt City specifically. Um, I spend most of my time with Salt Company, our college ministry, and so I can spend a lot of time um, around college students, and it is a, a joy to do that. It's, it's a joy to be with you all this morning. Uh, if you're new to Salt City or maybe are returning to Salt City after uh, some time away, just, just want to welcome you and say thank you for being here. We as a staff uh, want to meet you. Anyone with a welcome badge wants to meet you. I want to meet you. Um, and so please introduce yourself after the service. Uh, this morning, we're going to be wrapping up our Advent series in the book of Isaiah. And, and so we're going to resume our series through the book of Ephesians uh, next week. And so we'd invite you back for that. But we're going to wrap up our series in Isaiah this week. And, and you might be saying like, man, Christmas has come and gone. The new year is, is now here. We're still in this Advent series. But I think there's something we can learn. There's always something we can learn in an Advent series. But even this morning, we're going to be talking about a, another Advent, a, a second awaiting for Jesus to return. And so we're going we're gonna to get there this morning. But, but also want to say that I've just really enjoyed studying the book of Isaiah as we enter in to a new year. Because what a new year provides is it provides the opportunity to, to reflect. To the Christmas and New Year season allows us to look back at our lives and, and say, man, what are the things from this past year that I want to take with me? But oftentimes, what are the things from this past year that I want to change? I want to I make different going into a new year. That's why New Year's resolutions exist. Because everyone knows they haven't quite arrived at the life they want to live yet. And so the question that Isaiah is going to confront us with this morning, and, and that I, I'm hoping to help you answer is this. What do you hope in? So let's take just this next year, what do you hope in for 2022? I'm not, I'm not talking about a new body, new diet, new car, new job, but like what, what do you long for? What is your soul hope in? Because what you hope in in 2022 actually gives us a window, a window into the eternity that you will be granted. What you hope in in 2022 is a window that allows us to see the eternity that we will be granted. And so today we're going to be sp spend the majority of our time in Isaiah 35. So if you have a Bible, pull it out, that, that's where you can go. But, but to really understand Isaiah 35, we're actually going to start just a couple verses in Isaiah 34, because these two chapters go together. They're a summary of all Isaiah has said up to this point in the book, are Isaiah 34 and 35. They're two paths of life, two destinations that will come for all people. All people will spend eternity in one of these destinations. And so this morning, we have a choice. We have a choice of the path of Isaiah 34 or the path of Isaiah 35. And so we're going to evaluate that choice and say, what do these paths look like this morning? And what is the destination of these two paths, the, the path of Isaiah 34 and the path 
of Isaiah 35. Isaiah 34 being the path of trusting yourself. Putting your hope in yourself in the path of Isaiah 35 being that of trusting in God. Putting our hope in Him. But I think for a lot of people in the room, these paths don't look that different or don't look as different as we think they should. Like a lot of you are going to wake up tomorrow morning, go into a job with non-believers around you, and maybe you ask the question, is my life really that different? Like I do the same thing 40 hours a week as someone else. It doesn't seem like these paths are all that different. But, but what I want to say is though these paths might be slightly different today, small changes over an eternity, over a lifetime, bring us to completely different places. And Isaiah is going to give a window into the eternity that comes with that small change. Just trusting in Jesus as opposed to trusting in yourself. Why, why does that matter? Why does what you hope in in 2022 matter? One, one of the ways that I thought about this is as I was thinking about this idea of small changes carried out over a long period of time, I did some Google searching, and I'm no mathematician or physicist, and so if you are and I'm wrong, I apologize, but this is what the trusty internet told me, is that uh, one degree of difference, if you shot in a rocket towards the moon, one degree of difference in the launch angle over that amount, that many miles, you'd be 4,169 miles off the moon or your projected destination, which is nearly twice the diameter of the moon. So my point in that is that a small change in, in where you put your hope and where you put your trust in how you live your life will bring you to a completely different destination over eternity. Isaiah 34 being destruction and Isaiah 35 being the joy of salvation. But we're going to start with Isaiah 34 because we're all prone to live in Isaiah 34 life. We're so focused on what's next ahead of us. What's the next thing we have to do? What's the next place I want to go in my career that we're blinded or we, we lose sight of eternity. We begin to live a life of trusting in ourselves, believing that our deepest desires are for self-fulfillment or self-gratification or self-service. And Isaiah, when he writes Isaiah 34, is writing to a group similar to this, a group of believers, people that would maybe say they put their trust in, in God or for you today in Jesus. So why is he doing this? He's sending a warning message. This morning, Isaiah 34 is going to serve as a warning saying, wait, going into one week, into 2022, where are you putting your hope for the next year? Where are you putting your hope for your life? Because we live in a world that tells us to put our hope in so many different things, in political leaders or in uh, oppressive ideologies. 
but nothing more prominent in our world than our world telling us to put our hope in ourselves, to be the hero of our own stories, to just work a little harder, to do a little more, to reach some level of personal enlightenment that allows us to have the joy and satisfaction that we long for. And we're all prone to fall into this. To, thinking, to think that, that my life is about my own story, my own aspirations and goals. And this is exactly what the world tells us to do. To build this miniature kingdom for ourselves where we rule, we get to make morality, we get to decide what's next. We get to be the rulers of our own kingdoms. And that no one's allowed to to come into that kingdom and tell you how to live and tell you what to do because that would be against this self-created order that we all have decided to live in. But this is what the word of Isaiah says to that. This is Isaiah 34, starting in verse 1. Draw near, O nations, to hear, and give attention, O peoples. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. For the Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their hosts. He has devoted them to destruction, has given them over for slaughter. Happy Sunday from Isaiah. Right? World destruction. God has devoted the kingdoms of the world to be destroyed, and this includes the kingdoms that we build for ourselves. Why? Because the justice of God burns against the things that oppose him, and us creating these kingdoms for ourselves oppose the rule of God. But I think what's true is we aren't really surprised that they fail. We aren't surprised that our kingdoms fail because we're so aware of the fragility of our own life. Like if you weren't aware of that before COVID, I hope COVID has exposed that in you, that that you actually can't control and manipulate the, the life that you live. I think the issue is not that we've misdiagnosed the problem, that somehow there's nothing wrong with the world or nothing wrong with our lives. We all believe that. I think the issue is that we look to the wrong places for that problem to be fixed. It's not that we've misdiagnosed the problem, but misdiagnosed the solution. So if the path of Isaiah 34 is building these self-glorifying kingdoms, What is the path of Isaiah 35? Because like I said earlier, I think for a lot of us, the path of Isaiah 34 and the path of Isaiah 35 look pretty similar. But it does matter. As we look at Isaiah 35, we have to remember the context in which Isaiah writes this. I think this will color in this idea of these paths looking similar. Isaiah is speaking this to the people of Israel as the people of Israel look and see the inevitable invasion of the Assyrian army. 
Assyria is going to come, and they're going to take over the people of Israel. And so I'm guessing the people of Israel are saying to Isaiah, does it really matter? My life's going to look the same either way. Does it really matter if I trust in myself or if I trust in the promises of God? Because it seems like exile is inevitable. Well, let's see what Isaiah says to that. This is Isaiah 35, starting in verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord the majesty of our God. So what does Isaiah say? He doesn't say that there won't be desert, that there won't be dry land, but he says that God will transform these dead, desolate, scary, unruly places into places of beauty. He says the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. Lebanon was this place uh, of luscious greenery known for its cedar trees. He says the majesty of Carmel. Carmel was known for its beautiful mountain ranges. And he ends by saying the majesty of Sharon, which was known for its miles of plains along the sea. God is telling Israel that he's turning the, the places where we're lonely and afraid into a a mountainous redwood forest on the beach. I don't care what kind of vacationer you are, everyone can find something to do at a mountainous redwood forest on the beach. That's awesome. This is what Isaiah goes on to say. Verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Isaiah is saying in the midst of an army invasion, in the midst of all the crud of life, in the midst of hell on earth, I will come for you. You see, in the midst of these places, God's promise is not that these places, these times in life won't come, but that God will meet us there. That's why we trust in him. Because in the midst of those places, God meets us there. Have you ever thought about the goal of an invading army? Let me tell you, a a good army, the goal of a good invading army is maybe to take land or to take possession, even to overthrow whatever political powers might exist. But the goal of a dominant army, the goal of a dominant army is to take all hope. That the people that they're invading have lost all hope, any glimmer of victory or of life going back to normal. They take all of that. So this is the battle that we all are in, will you let the enemy, will you let the invading army that is Satan himself take your hope? Because I think sometimes we do. 
We feel hopeless. We feel defeated. We feel as though better days aren't coming. So how are you coming into 2022? Is your life characterized by hope? But here's the resounding message of the Bible. Do not lose hope. Your God is coming to bring relief to the oppressed, to bring freedom to the captive. Do not lose hope. God will come and rescue and redeem. This is how Isaiah describes that. This is verse 5. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is the hope that we have as Christians. This is the hope that we celebrated as Christmas passed. That Jesus came to do just this. In a literal sense, yes, Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind, to make the the deaf hear. But he also came to do this in, in a deeper sense. Jesus quotes Isaiah 35 in Matthew 11. And so I just want to read that to you. You don't have to turn there, but it's going to be on the screen. This is what Matthew 11 says. This is verse 2. Now when John, this is John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples, and he said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. What was Jesus telling John the Baptist? Yes, these things are happening. But what is he really saying? He's saying the one you've waited for, Emmanuel, God with us, has come. And when he comes, he he brings the inbreaking of a new kingdom, of an Isaiah 35 kingdom. And in Christ, this is where we live as Christians today in this kingdom. A kingdom where the ones Satan has oppressed have been freed. The type of kingdom where when you feel alone and discouraged, you see Jesus beside you. The type of kingdom where when you struggle with anxiety, you realize your anxiety no longer has the last voice. The type of kingdom where you aren't the ruler, but the one being ruled and experiencing the freedom of being led by the true king. A kingdom of hope and a path of freedom. Do you view your life through the lens of this kingdom, of an Isaiah 35 kingdom? I think some of you look at 2022 with unrealistic eyes of optimism. 
I, I love the optimists in the room. I wish I was a little bit more like you guys. But some of you have unrealistic eyes of optimism towards 2022 because the reality is that this next year will not be the heavenly reality that you dream it to be. Others of you are afraid of all the hard things that are to come in this next year. But I think the the primary reason why you're afraid is you are imagining into the future all the bad things that could or might happen to you, but you're not imagining them with Jesus right beside you. Because when Jesus is beside you, you won't be afraid. The heartbeat of this church, as we look forward to this next year, has to be no matter what peaks or valleys may come, we are confident that Jesus will be with us in the midst of it all. Because I have no idea what God has in store for our church, let alone everyone in this room. But I know in part what God's will is for every believer in the room. And that's that over the next year, whether through blessing or suffering, whether through abundance or deficiency, God's will is to sanctify you and to have you more holy trust and depend on him. So how do you make 2022 a year of clinging to the promises of God, to the hope found in dependency on him alone? Three things. Three things. How do do we cling to the hope that is found in God alone? One, knowing the promises of God. If we're going to cling to the promises of God, we have to know deeply the promises of God, and, and we can do that through his word. So be diligent about reading God's word, but not just reading it, but meditating on it. Not just words on a page, but realities and promises that are so deeply ingrained in us that we have no choice but to believe them. Meditate and memorize God's word. Second way, just choosing to believe. Choosing to fight for hope even when it's really hard. Saying amen to the promises of God. I love that song, that we would be a church that says amen to the promises of God, even when it's really hard. Third thing, encourage others with the promises of God. That we would be a church that is deeply committed to community and encouraging others in the hope that we've found in Jesus. And so maybe that's, for you, that's joining Connect Point and and finding that group. Maybe for you, it's committing to faithfulness in your connection group over the next year. And maybe for you, it's, I need to, I need to reorient the way I view my connection group from just some, some people I meet with every week to the people God has given to me to encourage and to be encouraged by. This is how we cling to hope and and find our dependence on God over the next year. But what what will that do? Let's revisit the original question, which is who or what will you hope in in this next year? Because you have a choice. The broad path of Isaiah 34 that leads to destruction or the narrow path of Isaiah 35 that leads to the joy of salvation. 
I've heard it said that eternity, that eternity is the continuation of that which we most desire here on earth. And so what do you desire, like deepest core of your being? What do you desire? Do you desire even just a little bit? Even just a little bit, do you desire the things of God or deep down at the core of your being, do you desire the things the world has to offer, the promises of hope that are found in yourself? But what's true is that we all desire something. We all put our hope in something. We all long for some greater reality, for some superior human experience, for something greater. Even as Christians with the hope of Jesus, we all long for something better. We know that this isn't all that it should be. We long for a future hope. And this is the good news for those of us who are in Christ, is that that future hope is coming at the return of Jesus. He's going to bring with him the fullness of the promised kingdom. You see, when, when we are in Christ, we get just a picture of the kingdom. We can begin to live in the kingdom, but at Jesus' return, he's going to bring with him the fullness of the kingdom. And this is the kingdom that we will live in. So while the people of Israel were in a season of waiting for just evidence of the kingdom, we live in a world that's full of evidences of the kingdom, but we wait for the completion of the kingdom. This is how Isaiah describes the completion of the kingdom. This is verse 8 of Isaiah 35. And a highway shall be there. It shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Think of the people of Israel. They're told that they're going to enter in to this kingdom, to, to this promised land. But Isaiah is saying that as the people of Israel are leaving the promised land. But I don't think we have to work actually that hard to relate to this in a literal sense. No, but in a figurative sense, we all see the hurt, maybe the increasing hurt, the increasing brokenness of this world. And we have this longing for something better and we feel like we're losing that something better behind us. But what I'm saying to you is that place isn't behind you, but it's ahead of you. That Jesus is out preparing the way for that place. Imagine the joy of life's sweetest moments washing over you with the assurance that that will never leave. These are the promises of Scripture. The only sighing that's going to exist in this place is that of relief and not anxiety. This world is coming. 
Ultimately, the thing that will bring you joy and the thing that will relieve your anxiety, the thing that will make heaven, heaven, the thing that will make this kingdom, this kingdom, is that we will be in the presence of God himself with the unveiled faces of sin, sin behind us. We will behold Jesus as he truly is, ruling in glory. This is the eternity for all believers. And so some of you need this reminder that eternity is coming. That's what you need to remember is that eternity is ahead of you. It's not behind you. Hold on to the hope that's found in Jesus. Don't let masks or an increase in cases or a new year without a loved one or a diagnosis that may or may not come in this next year release your white knuckle grip on the promises that are found in Jesus. Others of you, you need to answer this question. What do you desire? If eternity is the fulfillment of that which we desire today, of that which we long for today, do you desire the things of God? Are you willing to take the narrow path, the Isaiah 35 path, the path of the kingdom? Are you willing to take that path no matter how narrow Will you take the road with Jesus to eternity? As I was thinking about this idea of narrow paths, I I was reminded of a time I I was on a relatively narrow path uh, when I was hiking the the Grand Canyon in uh, Arizona. Some of you have probably done that or something similar like glacier, like hiking a mountain in in glacier um, where these paths are incredibly thin. And when, when you pass someone coming the other direction, you kind of have to do one of those like side turn shimmy things, but you're wearing a backpack. It can be awkward uh, if you know what I'm talking about, or some of you may know what I'm talking about. Anyway, here's my point, um, is that those paths are incredibly narrow. Those paths force you to watch your next step carefully. But you'd be a fool if you were consumed by the narrowness of the path and not the grandness of the view that you were experiencing. You see, when we hike the Grand Canyon, it's a narrow path, but we're overtaken by the beauty of what we're experiencing. Great views overtake narrow paths, and so my encouragement for you is though the path is narrow, look and see the view of the kingdom, the evidence of the kingdom today, but the kingdom that's coming for you in the future So how do we wait for that kingdom well? Another three things. Make 2022 2022 the year of faithfulness. I read this stat that said 27% of Christians regularly church hop, jump from one church to another or are in and out. Decide that this next year, this is the year of faithfulness, of committing of making church not an option. Second thing, some of you, for the more analytical people in the room, look back. Take stock of ways that you're prone to trust yourself and repent of that and put in new rhythms of trusting in Jesus. Third thing, spend more time looking into the future. 
So I'm, I'm a futurist. I like looking into the future. I like dreaming. I like imagining all, the, the, all that might come. But here's my problem. As I often find myself, the issue is not that I look into the future, but that I don't look far enough into the future. I try to imagine the next year or the next five or the next ten without doing enough of imagining the, the eternity that is to come in the kingdom of God when that's fully ushered in. And so some of you need to spend more time imagining that eternity, that that place is coming and asking yourself how that reality, that that, that that place really is coming, how that might change you today and might change your next year. Ultimately, as we look at the life of Isaiah 35 and the life of Isaiah 34, the hope we have as Christians is that God's original design was an Isaiah 35 world, but we were the ones that made it an Isaiah 34 world. We brought about destruction. We brought about the the turning from trusting in God to trusting in self. But the confidence we have as Christians is that Jesus entered into an Isaiah 34 world, living an Isaiah 35 life. He was Emmanuel. He was God with us. And Emmanuel walked to the cross. The king the true king, the one who really does rule a kingdom that is significant, became like you in your insignificance in order to usher you in to his Isaiah 35 kingdom. This is the hope of Christians that God has in Christ inaugurated the kingdom of God and that he's at work completing all the promises of Isaiah 35. He's out in front of you, inviting you into the fullness of the kingdom. So walk towards him in faith and in hope that this kingdom is coming, that we will enter into the place where we will be at peace, where we will know all the promises of God because they are realized He's walking towards life. He's not walking towards death. So trust him as he walks you towards the fullness of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, would you help our church? Would you help Salt City to be people that live in the picture of the kingdom now? In in, in the kingdom that that is being ushered in now, would we live in that kingdom? Would we be citizens of that kingdom? God, would you also help us to be a church that hopes in the fullness of the kingdom that's to come? That we would long for that reality. So God, would we be a church that hopes in you alone? That doesn't trust in ourselves, that doesn't trust in our own ability to make our lives better, but would we be a church that trusts fully in you in this next year? God, would you help us to be a church that's faithful to to community, that's committed to time in your word? God, would you help us to be a church that
that follows you into eternity, into heaven with you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.